Welcome back to the loading bar, which will soon be an outdated term if consoles like the PS5 keep shortening load times between their games. If that happens, I'll rebrand for the new generation. This episode, we're going back, way back. Back to the turn of the century, the year 1999. Kids at school were showing up with their hit clips, playing the latest Britney Spears and NSYNC songs. J.K. Rowling's third Harry Potter book, The Prisoner of Azkaban, was just released, and SpongeBob had just hit TV. But above all of these trends, there was one that was still dominating the minds of children and, to this day, is still going strong. I am, of course, talking about Pokemon. By this point, Pokemon was only a year old in North America and had taken the world by storm. Being a kid growing up in Canada, we had the games Red, Blue, and Yellow, the first television series, cards, toys, and even school supplies. You couldn't go out without seeing someone that had some sort of Pokemon paraphernalia. My initial introduction was with the TV series. I remember waking up early before school every morning with a bowl of honeycombs in hand, sitting in this clear red plastic inflatable pool chair that I had brought inside the house. Also, I did not have a pool. Kids at school would always talk about the games and show up with their link cables and battle and trade, and I would watch behind many a shoulder as these played out. My imagination running wild with which Pokemon Dream Team I would make. Kids all over the playground traded cards back and forth, though funny enough, no one actually knew how to play the game. I remember when you bought a starter deck, you got these stones, which I think were used as markers for something, I don't know. I remember when I first got Pokemon cards, they were these off-brand ones that were directly tied to the anime, and I was so upset. These were the tops versions of the cards, and usually had facts about the Pokemon and their respective appearance in the anime on the back. Fast forward about a year to Christmas of 2000, the Christmas that set into motion my love for video games. My parents got me a teal Game Boy Color with Pokemon Gold. I was so excited to finally be able to start my own Pokemon adventure. No more peering over annoyed classmates' shoulders or buying Topps cards for me. I booted it up, went to meet with Professor Elm, and picked out my first Pokemon, Totodile, who remains to this day my all-time favorite. So with that nostalgic introduction out of the way, let's journey into the past and examine the history of this game, Pokemon Gold. Before any good Pokemon adventure can begin, you need to make sure that you are well stocked with supplies for your journey. So too shall we, with alcohol. So what cocktails should be paired with Pokemon Gold? Well, hold on to your butts, cause I got nine of them for you this time. I'll leave how much you want to drink up to your own discretion. These cocktails are known as the Eevee series. If you're a seasoned Pokemon fan, which you probably are, you will know that Eevee is the evolution Pokemon and to date has nine evolutions. Although Pokemon Gold only had six including Eevee, I say fuck it and let's just get totally evolved. I found these cocktails in a Polygon article from 2013 written by Megan Farakmanesh, who wrote about their discovery of these cocktails from a Tumblr user named Meow Pernam. I'll leave a link in the description. According to Meow Pernam, most of these were pre-programmed settings on the Margarita Maker, such as Mudslide setting for Eevee or Sylveon, and Margarita setting for the rest. Since the Margarita Maker added various ratios of ice and blending to the mix, this means that you should only use per ratios as general guidelines, and then experiment yourself to get the taste that you want. Number one, Eevee, 3 fourths of an ounce cake vodka, 3 fourths of an ounce Kahlua, 3 fourths of an ounce of a chocolate eclair ice cream bar, 2 ounces of chocolate syrup. 
For the white part at the bottom, 3 fourths of an ounce of Bailey's and cream for the rest. Number two, Vaporium. A fourth of an ounce of rum. Three fourths of an ounce Malibu. Three fourths of an ounce blue curacao. One ounce pineapple juice. Two ounces Sprite. For the darker blue on top, the darker blue bit on top, she states that she just uses blue curacao. Number three, Jolteon. Salt the rim of the glass. 1.5 ounces of gold tequila. Two ounces of Red Bull. Two ounces of margarita mix. One ounce lemon juice. One ounce Sprite. Number four, Flareon. 1.25 ounces Fireball Whiskey. Three fourths of an ounce Peach Schnapps. Two ounces of Iced Tea. Two ounces of Lemonade. Number five, Espion. Three fourths of an ounce Strawberry Vodka. Three fourths of an ounce Hypnotic Harmony. Three fourths of an ounce Chambord. One ounce Cranberry Juice. Two ounces Sprite. Add a maraschino cherry on top for garnish. Number six, Umbreon. 1.25 to 1.5 ounces of bourbon. Three ounces of Coke. One ounce lemon juice. Two ounces of orange juice. Number seven, Laceon. Sugar the rim of the glass. Three fourths of an ounce rum. Three fourths of an ounce blue curacao. Three fourths to one ounce of peppermint schnapps. Three fourths of an ounce lemonade. Two ounces soda water and top with plain shaved ice. Number eight, Leafion. One ounce tequila. One ounce peach schnapps. One ounce lime juice. Two ounces ginger ale. Two pinches of crushed mint leaves. And for garnish, more pinched crushed leaves. Number nine, Sylveon. One half to three fourths of an ounce cake vodka. One half to three fourths of an ounce strawberry vodka. One half to three fourths of a strawberry eclair ice cream bar. One ounce cream. One ounce strawberry syrup. The white part in the middle is three fourths of an ounce Bailey's and the rest is cream. Top off with whipped cream and you're ready to go. Yalpernam states that these are just basic guidelines in her Tumblr post. It's probably going to need some tweaking on your end, kind of just for what you like and what you want. Myself, I attempted to make the Umbreon and it didn't look as nice, but it tasted great. My issue was the blending bit. I didn't have enough ice to blend with, so it didn't really... It mixed all together. It didn't really get that black, yellow, black that it was kind of going for. As I stated, I'll leave a link to the exact post that Meow Pranam has created so that you can kind of go through it yourself. Play around with it. Let me know how it goes and enjoy your drinks. So pick your favorite Eeveelution and let's start this Pokemon adventure. Just a preface, Pokemon Gold and Silver are essentially the same game, just with a focus on different legendary Pokemon, and some Pokemon being in different versions. And I just want to clarify that there really isn't anything that different between the two. Pokemon Gold and Silver were developed by a partnership between Nintendo, Game Freak, and Creatures Inc., which today make up what is known as the Pokemon Company. Development for the game was initially started after the release of Red and Blue, though it took some time to really polish off, as we in North America did not get the game until October 15th, 2000. This was during what I would say the apex of Pokemon's popularity, riding the wave of success that Red and Blue had established. Game Freak was incredibly busy during this time with various Pokemon projects such as the Nintendo 64 release of Pokemon Stadium. It wasn't until Satora Iwata joined in to help out Game Freak with the coding and translating of Pokemon's battle system to the console that Pokemon Stadium was perfectly finished and released. 
Gold and silver were initially previewed in 1997's Nintendo Space World Convention, also known as Shoshinkai and Famicom Space World in Japan. Think of it as an early prototype to E3, with only Nintendo games on display. Between the release of Gold and Silver, which was essentially Pokemon 2, Pokemon Yellow was released, which was an upgraded version of Red and Blue, with some quality of life improvements and new battle features, as well as a Pikachu that would follow you outside of its Pokeball. Gold and Silver, however, were promoted as entirely new games. A new story, new region, and a hundred new Pokemon for players to collect. In doing research for this topic, I found the 1 hour and 10 minutes prototype that was shown off at the expo on YouTube. I'll leave a link in the description in case you're interested. Watching through it, I was amazed how different everything was. From the opening cinematic to the actual Pokemon themselves, this prototype was incredibly different from the finished version. Even the starter Pokemon were different. You still had the grass starter Chikorita and all of her evolutions, but Bayleaf was an entirely different Pokemon. Next you had Honoguma, which translates to Fire Bear instead of Cinequil, and Kurusu, or Cruise, instead of Totodile. The demo starts you off with a Pokemon instead of visiting Professor Elm for your first one, and you start walking around what I assume is a prototype version of New Barktown, the protagonist Gold's hometown. Since then, the release was held until the release of the Game Boy Color, which offered, as one might suspect, color to games on said system. These games were usually categorized by having translucent cartridges, which you could see all the bits and bobs of a Game Boy cartridge internally. It was here that I realized that Game Boy cartridges actually ran on watch batteries. Gold, however, was not a translucent cartridge. It had the same design as a regular Game Boy game, but it was painted gold. Complete baller move, Game Freak. The cartridges also featured the new legendary Pokemon, depending on which version you bought on the cover. Lugia for silver and Ho-Oh for gold. Despite having these Pokemon featured on different cartridges, you could catch both of them in either version. Tons of new systems were added that expanded upon the original Pokemon games, many of which were the foundation of what Pokemon games today still stand by. Things like a time system were added to immerse players even further by making real-time pass in-game, showing day or night, and this would also influence certain Pokemon appearance rates. So like, nighttime Pokemon would come out at night, and daytime would come out in the day. Simple, but still pretty neat. New items, TMs, HMs, and specific items that Pokemon could now hold, which would provide buffs in battle, were also added. For example, giving a Pokemon a berry to hold on to would allow them to heal during battle without the need of using a potion or anything. One huge new change that was added were Apricorns. These are the building blocks of Pokeballs, which there are more of now. Various Apricorns can be found throughout Johto in order to create new Pokeballs. These new versions provide catch bonuses to certain Pokemon. Need to catch a water Pokemon? Create a netball in order to catch one, or a bug type for that matter. They're very interchangeable. We even have the use of the Poke Gear, a watch, phone, and Pokedex that allows us to call up old battle opponents, such as Youngster Joey and his perpetual level 4 Rattata. Trainers can now breed Pokemon too. Basically, you leave two Pokemon at a daycare, and they can have a baby Pokemon that usually takes on the species of the mother, with the traits of both. Lots of trainers exploit this system using Ditto in order to fill out the Pokedex, even in 2021. You also had this legendary Pokemon tracker for any of the legendaries you ran into in the wild that got away or beat you. You can open up the region map and see where the Pokemon were. These were usually the three legendary dog Pokemon, Entei, Suicune, and Raikou. 
Finally, Game Freak added two new types of Pokémon known as Steel and Dark-type to the Elemental roster. Pokémon Gold and Silver take place in the Johto region, and they are modeled after the Kansai and Tokai regions of Japan, with areas resembling or inspired by Kyoto or Osaka, such as Horiuji in Nara Prefecture, where at the top of the pagoda, you can attempt to catch Ho-Oh. Reception for this game was huge, just shy of beating Pokémon Red and Blue in sales numbers. At the time of its release, it sat at 6.5 million copies sold, and by the end of 2010, sold 23 million units, making this the third best Pokémon game of all time, as of writing this, with Sword and Shield currently the highest selling game. The story of Gold and Silver is what you might expect from a Pokémon game. You are a trainer venturing out for the first time as a registered Pokémon trainer. You leave home, head over to the professor's lab, and pick out your first Pokémon. On the way there, you notice someone peeking through the window of the lab. This is your rival, whom you can name yourself, but is usually known as Silver, just like Red and Blue from the first games. I was definitely not alone in naming this guy something like Shitface or Fuckass. You pick your first Pokémon, run an errand for the professor, and find out that this guy busted in and stole one of the starter Pokémon, usually one that has immediate type advantage to you, so for me, he always picked Chikorita. You fight this guy on the way back, beat him, and Elm gives you a Poké-Egg to deliver to the one and only Professor Oak. On this delivery, Oak gives you a Pokédex, lets you keep the egg to hatch and raise, and your journey officially begins. This consists of traveling from town to town, challenging the gym leaders, filling out the Pokédex, and stopping the dregs of Team Rocket that linger in the shadows. There are eight gyms in total in Johto, and the journey does not stop there. Once you beat them, you can travel to Kanto, the region from the first game, and challenge all of the gyms there, as well as the Elite Four. Along the way, you get into various adventures helping out characters, finding legendary Pokémon, and battling your rival at pivotal points. The final challenge will have you travel to Mount Silver to search for and defeat the legendary Pokémon trainer Red. It's a pretty simple premise, but how quickly you are able to finish it is entirely up to you. One thing that I'd like to note that a friend of mine pointed out was that none of the Johto gym leaders actually use Johto region Pokémon all that much. Most of them just use Kanto. Thought that was kind of funny. The gameplay is much like the original. Battles are turn-based where you pick a Pokémon, select what attacks to use, and swapping Pokémon in and out for better matchups. Pokémon types return as Fire, Water, Grass, Bug, Ghost, Ice, Electric, Flying, Dragon, Dark, Fighting, Ground, Normal, Poison, Psychic, Rock, and Steel. As stated, Steel and Dark are the two newest types that were added to the game. Figuring out which Pokémon typing does better against your opponents is crucial in battle. Each Pokémon gains experience points based off of battle, and can be leveled from 1 to 100. Depending on the Pokémon, it will evolve when you hit a certain level, and depending on its evolutionary tree, may evolve twice. You can travel the world on foot, bicycle, and by using special Pokémon moves that are crucial to learn in order to advance through the game. For example, I remember as a kid getting stuck and restarting my game several times because I had no idea how to get past a certain tree. Usually you teach a Pokémon the move Cut in order to get through certain trees that block your path. But this tree would not budge. Turns out it was a Sudowoodo, a rock-type Pokémon that looks like a tree. As rock types are weak to water, you fetch a watering can and sprinkle it on this guy and you start a fight. Afterwards you've either caught it or it's run off and you get to continue. Other moves like fly will fast travel you to towns or other locations on the map. 
and Surf allows you to travel across water. All of these moves can be used in battle as well. Moving around the overworld takes you to caves, plains, and tall grass filled with wild Pokemon, oceans, and mountains as well. You can do things like hop over drop-offs and ledges, interact with things like boulders or waterfalls using HMs, and check certain trees for apricorns to make new Pokeballs. The big distinction between gold and silver are the Pokemon roster in each game. Gold has some Pokemon while silver has others. The point was to get players to use link cables to connect Game Boys in order to battle or trade for Pokemon. Certain Pokemon can only evolve through trading as well, so in order to complete the Pokedex, you needed a friend who had the opposite game. This was a major selling feature of Pokemon, being able to interact with your friends, showing off your dream team, and getting those elusive Pokemon you don't have for your Pokedex was huge and still is today, though the advent of the internet has made things a whole lot easier to do from home. Now I can't talk about Pokemon Gold and Silver without talking about Pokemon Crystal. Pokemon Crystal is very much like how Pokemon Yellow was to Red and Blue. It was an upgraded version that provided certain quality of life changes, but ultimately everything stayed the same. Unlike Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Crystal's changes were actually quite minimal, and most people did not see the need to even purchase the new version because of this. The three big changes that Crystal had that were for the first time you could play as a female trainer. There was a Suicune-centric story that was added, and it came with a cell phone link cable that allowed you to hook up to a Nokia-style phone, which gave you the opportunity to catch the legendary Pokemon Celebi. Crystal sold 6.4 million copies, a huge drop from the original Gold and Silver. In 2009, remakes for Gold and Silver were produced for the Nintendo DS. These were Heart Gold and Soul Silver. These games were complete remakes of the originals, with updated graphics, cutscenes, and new features such as the Pokelympics, where you can pick a team of Pokemon to compete in events with other players' Pokemon, much like the regular Olympics. One of the coolest additions to this game, in my opinion, was the Pokewalker. This little device came packaged with the game and is a pedometer that you can send your Pokemon into. In doing so, going for walks while wearing the Pokewalker gave the Pokemon experience, items, and you could even battle wild Pokemon on this thing. It was the legitimate prototype for what we know today as Pokemon Go. Finally, I'll mention that Gold, Silver, and Crystal were re-released in their entirety on the 3DS as ports of the original games. So what else can I say about Pokemon Gold that I haven't yet? It was my gateway into video games, my first Pokemon game, and solidified which Pokemon would be my all-time favorite. There's something very nostalgic and welcoming about these games. Perhaps it's because you grew up with them, or maybe it connects you to a point in your childhood that you haven't thought about in a long time. Pokemon brings out the kid in all of us. The places, the soundtrack, and the roster of Pokemon, no matter what game you started with, or even if you've never played them before, just take you back to a simple time when you were a kid catching your favorite pocket monsters. All I can do at this point is gush about it. Everyone has their favorite Pokemon game, their favorite starters, and their personal experiences and stories growing up in the two decades that Pokemon has been around. Pokemon shows no sign of ever really slowing down in popularity, and I expect that interest will remain the same for years to come. We've got the remakes of Diamond and Pearl to look forward to, and an all-new type of game known as Pokemon Legends Arceus. But you can also go back and try out games past, either for the first time or as a returning trainer. These games are timeless. So I want to hear from all of you. Tell me what your first Pokemon game was. 
what your dream Pokemon team is and what your favorite starter is. My dream team has to be Feraligator, Jolteon, Heracross, Gengar, Arcanine, and Tyranitar. You can leave your answer on any of the social media sites associated with my link tree in the description of this episode. Remember to check it out for news or info of any kind regarding episodes, drinks, or just updates. Also, if you have a video game or drink you want me to cover in this podcast, send me an email at loadingbarkpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you all next week.